Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. This is Nadia. And we have a guest in Lebanon that we are very excited to talk to. Uh, can you introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. I'm Omar Seh. I'm a photographer and filmmaker from Beirut. And I'm so happy to be with you today. Thanks so for being to here. Have you. So Omar is wearing this amazing shirt. Can you describe? You were, you were telling us a little bit about the background. Oh, yeah. So basically, uh, I've initiated a platform called Le Marchand de Rêve, or The Dream Seller. That was two years ago. So the aim of this platform, like to live this moment of fantasy in our, like, what I call it boring reality. So people can access to a huge variety of clothing. They can dress up with any persona they want and become whoever they want. They pose in a photo booth and event, or they can also purchase from our monthly markets that we do in a queer space here also in Beirut. We do like a vintage market and people can come and purchase from our agendered persona. Yeah, they can purchase from uh, our agendered uh, closet. So this is what, what we do. And uh, this is what I'm wearing, actually. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, Love it. it's yeah. gorgeous. Um, yeah, so how did you start? Um, how did you get into photography? Let's start there. Wow, getting into photography, that was like uh, more than 10 years ago, actually. Uh, aside from uh, my school, I had a uh, passion for painting. I was like very, very bored at school. I didn't do my, my, my homework. I was always daydreaming and the teacher started complaining a lot. Like he's always drawing, he's always in the clouds, la 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 la. So my mother was a bit sad because she was hearing all of that. So she decided to find an alternative way for me to, to enjoy my time. So maybe by the hope that I can concentrate better at school. So I attended a painting classes in a very beautiful Lebanese traditional house. And there I was attracted and I started discovering my love for visuals, my love for colors, textures, perspective. And I started somehow slowly, slowly getting in touch with, you know, the world I wanted to create through painting. And then I wanted to interact with real people because I love people. I love covering uh, new personalities. Uh, you know, this give and take, and I really like this. So I wanted to bring it further. And I got a small camera and I started to do photo shoots with friends, going to abundant places in Lebanon. And this is how slowly it started to take shape, I would say. I think my first piece I saw that you made, which I'm sure is the case for a lot of people, is the the flag kissing piece. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Or I guess we should include a picture with it. Yeah. Do you want to describe that picture for everybody and then tell a little bit about the process and inspiration behind it? And also, Absolutely. I'm sure the meaning has kind of changed since that came out. Yeah. 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 And if you want to talk about the project, we will never forget as a whole, too. Okay, for sure. Uh, so basically, basically, the lovers in times of revolution was taken during the Lebanese revolution. So that moment where like, there was a lot of people in the streets screaming, shouting uh, for the fall of the regime. And, and it was like a very, very intense phase in our life. Uh, I was filled with so much joy, but at the same time, like I was seeing everything as if it's the first time I see that 
uh, amount of Lebanese people gathered together, uh, regardless of where they come from, their sexuality, uh, their religion, etc. They were all reunited in the Mitre Square and all around the Mitre Square as well. Like it was like very festive. And I wanted to go down, protest, but at the same time document, and I was never able to do that. I was feeling that this moment for me cannot be archived, cannot be documented. This moment should be lived. When I came back home after the third day, I felt like I had this kind of image of how, how surreal this setting is. It's, it's, it's beyond reality. There is something that's so spiritual about it, you know, like people unified, like together, especially in Lebanon, is something that we have never uh, experienced, and especially our generation, because, you know, like we have witnessed a lot of stuff, and we heard a lot of things from our parents about the segregation, how much uh, politics, uh, you know, like uh, kind of separated uh, people. And I saw the the image of the uh, the painting of the surrealist Magritte. And it made so much sense for me because like for me, it's like a surreal moment, already surrealist painter. And, and I wanted to document this love that crosses all boundaries that doesn't have doesn't have a particular identity mm -hmm. it could be everything and anything and this is why i wanted them to be covered with the lebanese flag because for me this is what mattered at the time the the lebanon uh, our country unfortunately this has changed i mean yes we archived that moment in history i would say because really like being part of the lebanese revolution is one of the biggest events that I personally take uh, part of. Yeah. It's uh, something that I will never actually erase. I can never erase it from my memory. But sadly, in one year, so many things happened and things changed drastically. So when I look at this image now, it always gives me this feeling. It gives me like, oh, I remember that at this phase of my life, when I was going down the street, I went with my friends and we took that picture and I never knew that it's going to go that viral, by the way. I, I, I was just like with my friends, they are a couple and I'm like, oh, let's go. Where I'm I have two Lebanese flags. I want to do that picture. Uh, we went around 5 p.m. before, you know, like we have no uh, natural light anymore. We took this picture in like three minutes, literally three minutes. I came back home and I posted this and then I continued my night. Like I was speaking with friends and then I'm, I opened back my Instagram. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. It was on? everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? Like I didn't know that's going to go that viral. It's going to touch people that much. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I'm yeah. very glad that I, I took it and, and that, it, it, it's going to be this constant reminder of this really beautiful spiritual moment I lived and we all lived yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, it's so striking. It's like you said, it's not documentation. It's not showing the thing, but it's showing the feeling and the the intention behind the thing. And yeah. I think that really picked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, but but it, it's very, it's very, it's very dichotomical, we say. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like there's... Mm -hmm between um, that picture 
that was taken during the revolution time and a year after mm-hmm. after the blast everything was so different people were in deep deep sorrow beirut was bleeding literally bleeding like you would feel the energy you would see people very sad i was devastated traumatized and also like i wasn't able to somehow apprehend or like digest what had happened mm-hmm. so i decided to to go volunteer in a region called Tarantina, mm-hmm. which is the closest region to the port and it was one of the that, that was the most damaged somehow because it's very very close like there's the port and then the here Tarantina. So I went there to volunteer and started meeting people, uh, helping them fix their house, see their needs, communicate with NGOs and everything. And then at some point, I was after hearing their stories, I was like, no, this also should be uh, documented. This should be also like uh, filmed and photographed because like they are, they all lived in intense uh, this intense moment of life and death experience. And also, I I relate because. In a way, I also lived the same experience and I wanted to do something that looks like a communal healing so they can share their experiences, I can share mine. And through maybe this process, we could be able to, you know, um, somehow be part of like a healing uh, activity. So uh, I gathered those people, like an old man, uh, a trans woman, a mother with kids. Um, I invited them to to be part of this uh, photograph. I explained to them the photograph. And for me, it symbolizes the idea of neglect that's coming from our politician. And it's symbolized by the presence of a politician who's sitting on the chair and who's smoking a shisha. And uh, and and for me, this is, is, is really symbolic of this kind of uh, how gross it is to cause that much damage and still be in in uh, uh, his villa, continuing his life as nothing has happened. So, and the smoke for me represented the orange hues of the pre-blast, because mm-hmm. like we all witnessed uh, like an orange hue, uh, sorry, the post-blast, uh, an orange hue, and the people uh, were expressing the first moment when they escaped from their houses or they tried to escape from their houses, not knowing what had happened. Like just this moment of like, they heard the sound, the earth shook, and they, they the first reaction, the first instinctive uh, reaction they did. So that's about, we will never forget. And yeah, we will never forget actually. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. And also really captures that like weird absurdity with the, the politician and the shisha. And it's like, it's like this gross theater kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I wanted to name it first. This is not a theatrical play. Hmm. But then while I, when I photographed it, actually, it's funny. I will tell you why. Because before the blast had happened, I wanted to do a photograph that looks very similar of a politician sitting like with white smoke and people behind him in despair. And actually, this is what was happening due to the economical crisis, yeah. economic crisis. Yeah, definitely. Right after I had this idea, the blast happened. And I'm like, uh, of course, after the blast, like two, three, five, wow. six, I don't remember, eight days, I wasn't thinking about any artistic expression. I was like just trying to process what happened. 
But after, I'm like, I wanted to do a photograph. And now it makes so much sense. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's crazy. And, 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 and it was just like uh, a season two of, uh, of, of what, what could happen in Lebanon. You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah like economic crisis. We're really in the fair things are really bad and then right after wait there's more (laughs) there is more actually surprisingly there is more sadly there is more yeah yeah. and they are capable of doing more and more and we're keeping on hearing stories on a on a daily basis that are like absurd yeah i thought that series was just like really really effective in showing that though so um do you want to talk a little bit about your work in film yeah you got into that side for me as i said like i started with painting for me it wasn't enough I did photography, it wasn't enough. I like also music, I like acting, I like many things, and but each on its own is never enough for me. I, want to, I wanted to combine everything I like in one artistic expression. I didn't know what it would be. I was never like someone who's so into cinema. I was never a cinephile. I used to sleep after 30 minutes of watching a movie. Uh, (laughs) I I, I entered university without knowing more than maybe six or seven films that are a bit interesting. And this is also because I forced myself to watch a little bit to be knowledgeable about. So cinema for me was like purely a place to put everything I like there. Yeah. And and until now, Cinema and life are like working in parallel for me. Everything I experience in my life, um, you know, goes in parallel with what I express in cinema. And uh, for me, I take so much from my cinematic experiences to to learn and to grow and to realize things about myself. It's like also very therapeutic for me. It's a therapeutic form, especially like growing as a queer person in Lebanon. I had a lot to undo, remove a part of what I pretended to be and another part which is who am I and I want also to to burst it out to vomit it and cinema has helped me so much in this process of like understanding where I live understanding the people around me the environment getting also in their heads sometimes to see where I stand in relation to them hearing their stories sharing mine and for me, it was like, like the mo. I'm so blessed to have discovered cinema in my life because, yeah, it it broadened my awareness. It literally broadened my consciousness as well. Like I feel now through cinema, I lived many lives. Wow. You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it made me so broke as well. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it affects all around. Yeah, that's the most. Yeah, that's probably the most beautiful way I've ever heard someone describe what film is. Do you want to um, give some examples of like film projects we've created? Of course. So basically, my biggest film adventure was the one I started in 2017. It's called uh, Album. It's my first feature film. It's a documentary that talks about the life of three queer individuals in Beirut, including me, and our relationship with um, our mothers. And this tackles a lot of complexity. Uh, One of them is the coming out and going back to childhood and trying to 
this is why it's called album actually because like it starts with like delving into our childhood album to figure out like when this whole thing started how it manifested do we have like proofs of it like visual proof um this is yeah. it, it starts from there so yeah so that's the first feature film i do and now it's almost reaching its completion okay it's almost done that's, yeah wait i want to ask about the process like I don't know, like, how did you get people's moms to agree to this? <laughs> is my first question. <laughs> That's a question I still ask myself now, like, how it was, uh, how, how did this happen? Actually, my, my mom is one of the mothers. I think she agreed to be part of the film, but she didn't know what it was about. It was a very big conflict because for me, the whole point was not to let her know that it's about queerness because back then I wasn't out to her and I was like trying to to test her level of tolerance. Mm, okay. So we had a lot of a huge conversation that was happening in a car. I was driving and she was next to me. And I was like, th through this uh, ride, I was asking her questions to see whether she accepts, she doesn't, where she stands and all of that. So I couldn't tell her what it's about because I will ruin the whole point. Got you. So I filmed and then I asked her months later. Okay. She wasn't so happy with the idea of having her personal experience that she doesn't embrace so much. I mean, now we were fine, we're on good terms, but like she doesn't want to, to share this privacy. Yeah. For her, it's something that's just for the family and it has to stay there. But now, like, I tried a lot to talk with her and to tell her, like, mom, look at where we are now. Like, we're fine. We're on good terms. This could inspire so many other people. It could, like, make relationships between mothers and, and queer kids better. And she started, like, a bit digesting the idea. And now she's not like, yeah, of course, you will know. But <laughs> she's, like, more like, okay. We will see. Um, That's really cool that she got yeah. to that point. It was a long road. It's, not, it's, it's a long road, actually. Yeah. And with the other protagonist, her, her mother like is, is completely okay. And okay. She, oh, that's good. Cool. That's good you have that support. Yeah. Documentary work is so interesting with getting consent from people and also while having it still be natural. Right? Like, you basically documented your coming out process. <laughs> that just seems yeah. so intense to have that conversation on record. Yeah, um, I, think, I think the film is a bit more also than the coming out process. It's like yeah. about also trying to understand the idea of being, just being different in such a very such a complex city, yeah. in a very complex environment. So I think the film wanted to insinuate um, on, on the idea of coming out because it's also a very important mm -hmm. you know uh, um, process as well here for a queer person and especially that the relationship between family members is, is so so intense here yeah. like a lot of queer people still live with their family still a very very older age and I wanted to 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 tackle that point but not only I wanted also to show the difference is not just about sexuality. Sexuality definitely could be part of the difference, but there is something else. That is, when when I would identify as queer, I wouldn't just think about the sexuality. Mm -hmm. I would think of everything I haven't been 
thought in a way. Yeah. I would think about the things that society doesn't want me to express. I would think about breaking and defeating this kind of binary system that is imposed on us since day one. I would think about the kid and me who like to wear costumes and to dress up with whatever persona and have the, the really like the support of the family. And the more I grew up, this was tamed. And I wanted to understand like, yeah, it's not just about with who I will sleep at the end of the day, but about who I am fundamentally from the inside, the freedom I carry the things I want to break and build on. And this whole process for me was like my main motivation to get into that film and yeah. and do it. It's really interesting to think about how much wisdom, how much wisdom in a way that we had as children before all of these barriers were like imposed on us and then we self-imposed um, also. Um, that's definitely something to like think back on, tap into. Yeah, because so like often. kids, they don't know that something's not acceptable until you tell them. Like they right. don't know mm -hmm. that you can't ask someone of the same gender to marry you. They don't know like which clothes or which songs are the acceptable ones until someone says like, "No, you shouldn't do that." Exactly. You know, for me, it's called freedom. It's freedom. The kid is the kid doesn't know what he should do and what he shouldn't. He will just express what he wants to express because he feels like it. Yeah. 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 You know? And then comes the restriction from the surroundings. Mm -hmm. No, you can't do this because you're a boy. No, you can't do this because you're a girl. Sit well. Don't open your legs. You're a girl. Uh, don't cry. You're a boy. And then these echoes start, like, you know, piling up in our heads. And... Somehow, because yes, as kids we are wise, but also we are very naive at the same time and very innocent. So we start like just taking everything that comes our way. You know, if someone tells us we should not do this, we see the parent or the family member or whoever person who's older than us as our mentor. As, ah, oh, yeah, I think you're right. I should not do this. And we keep on doing that for a very long time until we reach a point where like, you know, Pocket. They taught me everything that I don't want to do. And here starts the process that I was talking about, about like deconstructing what has been built yeah, through right. years and years. And the self-discovery that starts to happen. And yeah. this is the wisdom. Here's the wisdom. We, we, co we connect back to this free, innocent kid that was enough. Right. That's, that's my personal interpretation of it. But. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about like as you get older you discover who you are but in a way like we already know we already knew who we were when we were kids and before like we had these limits and then um a lot of discovering who you are is really it's like unpacking, unpacking all the shit what, that got thrown yeah, on top unpacking of it. recalling what we already knew about yeah. ourselves and not in like an essential way, like you are one way. And yeah. that is, I mean, I think we can also change over time, but yeah, of course. but there's also of just course. unpacking all those restrictions that have been, um, I don't know, muting things that were already there. We kind mm -hmm. of started this conversation before we started recording, um, talking about like 
unrestrained emotional outbursts. <laughs> yeah, like um, rep- repression. This is a good specifically good time to in talk our about that. <laughs> um, and uh, we started talking about like uh, Alia said, in American society, we're so repre- repressed, and I think in all societies, we're just repressed a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, like I think, I mean, of course, like gender norms, gender binary, all over in different ways. Um. And I think what you're getting at is that, like, I think U.S. culture has this very, like, muted emotionality. Like, we, we're just mm-hmm. not as, like, effusive <laughs> as, um, I think, just, like, Lebanese culture, for instance. Like, there's just so much more, like, ugh, like outward expression. Um, mm-hmm. But I th- it, but a different kind of repression. I think, like, like, keep your personal stuff to yourself, what you were mentioning with your mom. Like, don't air your yeah. dirty laundry, a lot of that kind of yeah like sweep it under the rug why does it happen in the u.s like do you know like why this is that's a great question i don't know i don't know either but i i feel like um like all of even people who immigrate here like our our friend who is uh from cairo and lived in the uae like he he was calling his mom and his mom was like the u.s has made you boring you don't have emotions anymore (laughs) yeah um so my dad's from Saudi Arabia and one of my cousins came to New York we lived together for like three months and we kept having the same conversation she was like what is what's everyone feeling here I can't tell what people are feeling and so there was that conversation but there was also what you brought up Nadia I I was asking her like why are there so many secrets in the family so in in that way I felt like there was so much repression. It's like, in that like way, are where... you going to hide the facts or hide the feelings? Right. Like people in the family, like family members would call and she would be screaming at them, just saying hi, basically. Like everything was so expressive, but also like there was a lot of substance that wasn't uh, disclosed to each other, even like close family members. And I, I was just, I would ask her like, okay, yeah, you all are like so loud and so expressive, but also like, there's a lot unsaid mm. um yeah. so it is yeah different forms of i can bullshit mm. an explanation if you want Go no, ahead. i'm wondering <laughs> if it has something to do with like uh just like levels of independence versus like living with your family because i th- i think when you just live in close proximity to people like throughout your life like there's mm-hmm. you kind of have to have some secrets to be an adult but also you're just so more emotionally comfortable with i'm just bullshitting an explanation i don't know if this is it um, that sounds yeah. yeah that sounds like a thing yeah like i don't know when yeah. i'm around my family i definitely like scream and cry more like i i cry more around my mother than any other human in the world but mm-hmm. um does she know everything about my life no yeah yeah it's like yeah, a but primal also connection oddness between family members also like of sharing this very intimate uh Thing because we feel that when we uh, cut off the uh, 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 how we call it like the the umbilical cord, yeah. is it is it umbilical yeah. Yeah. Like yeah we have we have a life on our own we create it we it's like uh, we build our own puzzle and we, it's it's called also for me like in like the simple term like independency mm-hmm. so when we want to be independent. We can't also be dependent somehow emotionally and I mean it's it's definitely so nice to share beautiful emotions or like uh, to share emotions generally with family members 
but also independency and dependency are like it's it's a very fine line like yeah. i think when we share a lot with the family also like we are letting them get into our life in a way or another and it's for us like to to know when how where because we don't want to lose that bond we want to stay emotionally connected to them but at the same time we don't want to be uh dependent on them and we don't want them to be intruding in our personal space yeah. and this is also for us to manufacture al- along the way you know like to know yeah. when it's a very difficult process i would say yeah. and lebanon is the opposite of what you were talking by the way like i think yeah. we can also like talk about a topic that is a bit what is personal space and what is not mm-hmm. because here there's so much emotions and yeah. like everything mm-hmm. is So like intertwined, like you don't know like when the friends come in, when the family come in, like everybody gets right. into your private space to a point where you're like suffocating. You're like, I love this emotional, you know, country. Everybody is so, you know, uh, genuinely like caring and everything. Right. But sometimes you're like, can I solve this by myself? Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, can, can I have a, a second? <laughs> yeah, can I have a second of space? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Can I process it before I verbalize it? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So it's the pros, uh, the pros and cons of being in a, in a very warm, heated land. Right, yeah. <laughs> warm, like, communal culture in general. It's yeah. very communal. Yeah. So when you want to be really independent and to have really like uh, a life on your own it's not always easy to right. make this cut because also socially it's 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 weird you know as i told you like a lot of kids live with their parents at the age of whatever sometimes till forever <laughs> you know yeah yeah so right. they're not used to, to this uh, separation um, yeah I guess kind of sort of on that note or like the opposite of it. Um, so that's now in lockdown. That's kind of a new people are being independent in one way or another, unless they're quarantining with their family. Um, what's your take on this is kind of a weird question. What's your take on the extreme lockdown right now? Because I was hearing about it like from my family. And at first I was like, okay, how are how is the government being this organized right now like people are like registering to walk their dog like what the fuck i, I feel like i've never seen that level of organization for anything else yeah what's going what's, what's, what's your take on what's that going, what's going on <laughs> i i wish i can understand what's going on i just pass <laughs> fair <laughs> really like uh for me now living in lebanon it's like living in complete absurdity Every day I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna try to understand what's going on because I will not. That's something for sure. And second, we're so tired of, of you know, like trying to 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 understand. I guess so, yeah. no, there is nothing. Yeah. There is nothing to understand uh, anymore here. Sure. It's yeah. so it's so uh, complicated. So in regards of the lockdown, I think. 
هلا we have a lot of cases recently so I think also uh, there is they are scared of opening the country now mm-hmm. uh, we don't have places and hospitals anymore right. like they are such gotcha. so uh, this could be a reason and another reason they say that the politicians don't want us to go out because people are really hungry now mm-hmm. it's poverty is increasing a lot everybody is at home people are not working so they are scared maybe that Uh, they want to shut our voices, you know, again. Yeah. So they keep us at home. So there are a lot of... Yeah, I guess yeah. I'm like, the, I, I know there's like legitimate reasons and less legitimate reasons, but also there's a certain level of competence. <laughs> at least it looks like that. Just having that organized. And I'm like, where did that like, come from? Where was that And where was that for like all the other... When it yeah, was but active. you know you're surprised when they, they, now they are organizing... Just the idea of going out from the house, but they failed in organizing everything else. Oh, like, okay. I, I can't be happy about them organizing my life, whether I can drive, I can walk with a dog, I can go to the pharmacy or not, yeah. when uh, they never organize anything and to the point where like the whole city fell on our heads. Right, so yeah. That is, that, is, that is something that's not really valid. In, yeah. in this or new organization uh, it's just it, it's weird it's like why is there now this display of like hey we can get our act together for like in, in this perform- way is it, it's like it's it seems performative yeah. or like it's yeah, yeah i don't i don't know it's weird like from i mean from what we can yeah it's know, like now now you care you. about that Like, now you care about us, really. Like, you care about our health. Right, right. You like, wow. Happy yeah. COVID. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> really. What would, so we, what would we do That's without so you? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's really absurd for me. I, I don't want to think so much about it. I'm really tired of thinking about uh, the, 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 the things related to my government, actually. I'm yeah. just trying to 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 protect my private space, yeah. to to do things by myself, and really I don't want to think about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. but I can't. That's the thing. I say I don't want to think, but Lebanon is always in my hands. So it's like yeah. Uh, yeah, and so right now, are you quarantining by yourself right now? Yeah. How has that been? Wow. So it started very, very, very well, actually, because I really needed to be by myself. I started meditating, uh, drawing, painting, writing. Mm-hmm. So everything that I can do around people. So yeah. I was in my zone and uh, I stayed uh, in that state for like almost 10 to 15 days. And then I started being super frustrated. Like I wanted to see people. I wanted to at least see a human being, have a conversation. I was so bored of myself, you know, like, okay, you know, having also this kind of moment of uh, solitude, I would say is nice, but not for a very long uh, phase. So, so I started reaching out to friends, just like calls and stuff like that, but it's not enough, you know, like I miss, you know, contact i miss intimacy i miss hugging someone yeah. so so yeah it, it was quite difficult at some point it started becoming so frustrating and uh, like 
two days ago, it was already like 35 day of, days of lockdown, being by myself. Like that never happened in my life. Yeah. I was, and, and I killed like someone, an intellectual here. Uh, his name is Lukman. So when I heard the news, and like I was, it was already the day uh, of the six months remembrance of the blast. I felt like very like angry in a way of everything that's going on. So, and there was no one around me. So I started screaming and shouting in the apartment by myself. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, fuck it. Like I'm gonna just behave like an animal. <laughs> really. I was like, yeah, I, was, I just wanted to let out this instinct. Because, you know, and when I let it out, I was like, yeah, you know what? Uh, we, we, we sometimes we really get really depressed or sad because we don't let out our emotions that are very primitive. Yeah. Like, like anger, this kind of anger that I let out was very something that I would never do around people, around my friends, around my family, uh, even by myself. So, you know, I wouldn't have the urge to do it. But when you feel like, خلاص, you reach, you're at the, uh, at the edge, you know, right. you, you, you do it. And it was kind of good for me, for therapeutic. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like I when you when you see like people going to the top of a mountain or a cliff and they just like i need to scream and like there's a reason people there's all the screams they held in yeah there's a reason like people seek out a space where they can do that of course of course well i think we are all screaming silently i mean what's going on in the world is not something that we can really digest easily and 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 feel so good about you know yeah for each his own scream you know but it's now, like we're we're saying that we're talking about just expressing it, but sometimes really like we hold so much and we think that we're capable. But it's I think it's very important to to start reaching out and to say like no, this is not going well. This is not all right. I'm not all right. I'm not okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've told some people that like I'm not okay. You know, like at certain points during this whole quarantine i've just been like i'm not okay i'm not asking anyone for like solutions or anything i'm just like acknowledging it i am acknowledging it there's no way if you ask how are you i'm not gonna say okay like that's absurd like at some point you have to be Mm -hmm. like a fucking sociopath to be okay (laughs) with some things that are going on like yeah yeah of course our life is changing. Like we can't be completely okay with the idea of discovering a new life for the first time. That's... Being for a year by ourselves with no human contact, mm. with no gathering. Yeah. So many things have changed. And also like our jobs are getting affected. So yeah. like for me as an artist, now I have to think about a new way of producing art if life stays like that. A new way of also sharing my art. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how's, so much, how's so much that going? Mentally. <laughs> it's like too much. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I guess what new ways of making and sharing art have you been exploring lately? I wasn't making any art lately. Okay. I Fair. was just cocooning, as I said. Yeah. Being in a very introspective mood. You know, I learned also that rest is important. Like, mm-hmm. This kind of moment of not doing, yeah, not doing and not producing, uh, not feeling this urge. Like 
if there is something that this lockdown and or like the COVID in general like has taught me, not giving it credit. So is to enjoy my time by myself without feeling this big urge of constantly producing, constantly doing, and defeating time. You know, like before everything was going in a very, very, very fast pace to a point where I was like not happy, you know, like I was doing things, but I wasn't happy. I was maybe producing a lot, but I wasn't enjoying. I discovered that to be able to enjoy what I'm doing, I need to enjoy the time by myself first, to process things, to to get in touch with, you know, myself, what I really want. Right. If what I'm doing is something I really need to do and I, I feel good about doing it. Mm-hmm. So all this yeah. process is, is something that I'm going through as an individual and as an artist now in this, in this lockdown. Yeah, yeah, I felt so... really similarly at the beginning of the pandemic when everything stopped. And I, I didn't mind it because I was just overwhelmed and stressed out by how much was going on. But that didn't mean that this, this was not the break we wanted, right? Like we wanted a break, but not this one in not particular. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I but also, it's, a, it's yeah. just a perspective, I guess. Like, and now we have to surrender to what's going on because we can't change it. Like, none of us can change the situation. The best way is to see how we can profit from this time in lockdown to do the things we never thought of doing before. To spend time by ourselves, to process all the past that we were like, that was uh, the situation that we're accumulating and we didn't have time to process them. So I, I hope it could be like a time of healing for all of us. I hope so too. Yeah. yeah. And I also I also wonder like what are gonna be all the I mean, we'll see. What what the psychological effects will be long term, even after like this is over. Um Yeah. I wonder that for yeah. kids especially. It's already starting. Yeah. 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 For kids. That's for kids a, that's though, like because they're like I talk to question. people who are like teaching like kindergarten and that kind of stuff and i'm like you know that at that point like it's significant if you're not learning how to interact with other kids yeah yeah or or not actually i think but that's the thing about it is that uh yeah maybe we will be like extremely like frustrated because yeah being locked in a house for like almost two years or more is not something nice not something healthy but but uh, as I said, like, if we can start including this kind of the healing practices, like for each his own, you know, not to fight, but to surrender a little bit. Because if we, can't, if we will constantly think about, okay, we're locked in a house, we're not seeing people, we're not going out, of course we'd go crazy. Yeah. I mean, just me saying this, like, now I think I'm going to start <laughs> cutting my hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, sometimes, like, maybe it's important to surrender and say, like, okay, that's the situation. Let me see what I can do out of it. Right. Like, let yeah. me see what are the ways that could make me feel at least sane. Right. I'm not going to say happy because happy now is a big, <laughs> a big Yeah, thing. those are different. <laughs> We were talking, I, 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 there was one point, like, it was actually my birthday, where I, I just started crying, and it was one of those release moments, kind of like screaming on top of the mountain, where I was mm. just, I, I realized I hadn't cried in, like, a year, oh. or something, because I, like, hadn't had 
time to just process all the shit that had happened. But like all of a sudden it was like everything that I had never fully acknowledged how fucked up that was. Um, yeah. and it just kind of hit me at the same time. And I was like just having an emotional breakdown for a day, which was good. That was necessary. Um, it just kind of, of shows how, how much we don't process things when we're in this very like go, go, go state all the time. The the release is very important. It's also a renewal yeah. of your, you know, the, your whole energetic system. Like, you can't carry a lot yeah. and then keep on going. Like, you need to, like, release. It's like, it's like seasons as well, you know, like, uh, like the tree, like it's, the, the, it blossoms in spring, then it's like, yeah. uh, the, the, the leaves fall and then, like, this melancholic phase, you know. We are like that as beings mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, there is a lot also, like, I think this trend of trying to to be by ourselves, like, on Instagram, I scroll a lot, and like, yeah, love yourself, be by yourself, all of this, but at the end of the day, also, like, we need each other, that is a very, very important, it's very important for us, like, when we are not really feeling good, not to be scared, there is nothing wrong about uh, uh, asking a friend for you know, being there when you're feeling really, really bad, yeah, or like, we, yeah, like we, we think we're be, being a burden on others, but that's not true because at the end of the day, we all need each other. Like, one day it's gonna be you, one day it's gonna be me, yeah, the other right. day it's gonna be a friend. Like, so why to think always that we are like a weight on other people? So, by individually processing everything, it's not, it doesn't help as well. Like, we need the other. This is we need ourselves. To process of course in our personal space but at the same time we need the other also to to remind us of things to give us a new perspective to feel safe around maybe or to love so it's important as well this was a cathartic breakdown of like (laughs) what all is going on in our internally um okay so how can people speaking of needing each other and connecting how How can can people people connect to you you? (laughs) Of course, uh, they can reach me on my Instagram, Ahmad Fis. Okay. And also, um, yeah, like they can through my Instagram, check my website. Also, like my work is available there. I would be very happy to to meet new people on my platform and to communicate with new people and to share also my art with them. Everyone follow Omar if you don't yet. Um, you can reach us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at The Queer Arabs. And our email is thequeerarabs at gmail.com. And our website is thequeerarabs.com. Thank you.